This baby hits 88 miles per hour. They're gonna see some serious. Welcome back to the Pass Forward Podcast. This is episode 72, The New Batch. <laughs> ah, Gremlins. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yep. There you go. Yeah, with me as always it. are my fellow gizmos. I didn't want to say Gremlins. Balls? I, don't know. I should come prepared with these. It's Colin Mog- Harmon. Mogwise. Mogwise. That's good. Yeah, That's good. I should have thought of that. I'm Colin. That's me. Hey, yeah, Colin and Hi. Wes Allen. Those aren't pillows. <laughs> <laughs> on theme, on theme. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, this episode, we are talking about things we're thankful for because Thanksgiving's around the corner. Oh. And we are thankful for things in our childhood. They helped make us who we are today. They had a big impact in our life. That's why we do this podcast. Yep. And we want to talk about these things. And we want to hear what you're thankful for from, from your childhood, from the 80s, from, from the 90s. Hey, we'll even expand it to the 70s or the early 2000s mm-hmm. or even the roaring 20s. So uh, whatever <laughs> was whatever you're thankful for from your childhood, let us know. We are on social media at Pass Forward Cast, Twitter and Instagram. We have a Facebook page. We are on AOL.com. Yeah, mm-hmm. passforwardcast at AOL.com. That's our email address. Yes, please. We love interacting with you guys. We're so on TikTok? <laughs> no. no, we're not. We're not, not. Why aren't we? We are on Spotify. Because we're not 14. Uh, uh, we're not 14 and rich. Yet. Mm. We are white, though, so that's one of the... <laughs> that's another qualifier. <laughs> I got that you, down. Yeah. You've never got to work on that 14 thing. If you've ever opened up the TikTok, I, like, I've downloaded it yeah. and watched it, and it was like, I think, 10 in a row of this like rich white teenager in like their mansion. Mm-hmm. Clearly, they're bored, <laughs> out of their minds, just dancing to some song. That's what TikTok is to me right now. Hmm. Sorry, rich 14-year-olds that listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just go back to talking about the things that we love from our childhood that Mm. older people didn't understand. Like Spotify. We're on Spotify. (laughs) Yeah, we are on Spotify. You might be listening to us on Spotify. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Good call. So (laughs) anyway, it's a good start. So we're going to talk about three things we are thankful for. We haven't told each other what these things are, so I'm very interested. We might double up, but, uh, you know, that's how it goes. So I, I I'm thankful for you, Corey, and Aww. you, Colin, and you, the listener. Those right. are my three things. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thankful for me too. Uh, we doubled up on the same yeah. thing. So. Uh, what what a coincidence. <laughs> okay, I know I always ask this on air. I should do it before we start recording. But who wants to go first? You go first. Okay. Cool so the first thing that I am thankful for uh-huh. from our childhood. Sure. And okay, so this takes some ex- explanation because I. I I had to go general with it because I thought of something niche first. I mm-hmm. thought of The Simpsons, right? Sure. But I talked about this, The Simpsons ad nauseum on this podcast, so I don't want to talk about The Simpsons again. Dig a little deeper. I, actually, I went shallower, oh. and I was like, okay, <laughs> well, what about sitcoms, right? Yep. But that's just that's another thing where I feel like I've talked about sitcoms in general. So I expanded it to just 90s television. Oh. That's what I'm thankful for. And I, I feel I like think we're all thankful it's for the that. same it's the same thing that I'm thankful for The Simpsons for is that I've I learned so much just through nineties television that I feel like I retained a lot better. And I'm talking about things that happened in our history. Uh-huh. More than history class did in school. Like I retained things like I and this is largely The Simpsons. They taught me a lot about pop culture. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in general, 90s television, just like I learned about so many things, like just a random example, like the Hindenburg disaster. There were so many references to that 
through 90s television. Oh, the humanity. You yeah. know, I, I learned through that. Learned about that through television. Huh. So I learned about politics through SNL. Absolutely, that's another great example. Like I didn't know half the things that were going on, but I knew who Ross Perot was. I knew who all like all these people were because of SNL. Yeah. Hmm. And I was one of those people, I was one of those kids that hated going outside. So I watched a lot of television <laughs> and, you know, uh, everybody had different parents. You, you know, lived not, in Florida. You know, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it was, it was so hot. Um, but everybody has those parents, you know, there are varying degrees of like strictness and my parents, uh, you know, thankfully did not, uh, they kind of tried to restrict my television viewership, but it didn't really succeed. So suckers, <laughs> rebel. And you know, it was during a time where they were like, you know, hey, TV will melt your brain. Yeah. You know, it'll, and it's kind of stuff we talk well, about smartphones right now, right? <laughs> and it did. It really did. And now he's a puddle. Yep. Um, but it had such an influence in my life and, and in a way that made me want to edit video for a living. Oh. You know, it, it, it really encouraged, like, through watching television, I got to observe the, the kind of arc of a story, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and observe how things are edited and why they're edited in a certain way. And I, that just really clicked with me with television, movies too, but mostly television of yeah. just like understanding what is a good joke? What is a bad joke? What is a good shot? What is a bad shot? What is a good storyline? What is a bad storyline? All the stuff that I loved, I kind of took and I've, I'm using to this day of like, hey, I've observed this works with an audience and this doesn't. Where you know I'm in digital media now, social media, and it's 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 something that I feel like was a foundation was laid from watching so much television as a kid. Hmm. That's Beautiful. interesting. So that's my first one. Yeah, that's good. That's probably the best one. I should have saved that one because that one's the most <laughs> impactful. It's all downhill. Should have from built here. to that. It really one, is. Or... Really is. So that's allowed. Okay, Colin, you're going next. All right. Uh, the thing for me that uh, in this category, first off, I won't build backwards or anything cool. Is uh, the X Games? Oh yeah, those started. You know what year those started? Ninety six, ninety four. Mm, you're both close. Ninety five. Uh, oh wow. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's not even a movie. <laughs> yeah, but I I I actually never got to attend the X Games, despite them still being yeah. on. So like my chances are gone. But uh, <laughs> I never got to go to them or any of that kind of stuff when I was in that age. But I really wanted to, and Where I think were they held up. A lot of them were held at like the Staples Center uh, mm. in LA, or they've had them in different places. Uh, like I remember, the Winter X Games were in Mammoth quite a bit, if not still. They had some qualifiers in Tampa when I was living down there. Oh, that's there, cool. But I never got to go to one of those either. Yeah, but I remember them being there, and my my friends talking about wanting to go. And mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I remember watching like uh, Destination Extreme was like the ESPN two or three version of like some of this kind of stuff. But anyways, I felt to say like all of these sports that I really enjoyed, like skateboarding and even rollerblading at the time or BMX and that kind of stuff uh, were all sort of considered like rebel sports, like what you did if you were like a hooligan or a vagrant kind of kid. And I think them being on television, like them winning like some significant cash prizes and that kind of stuff, it sort of legitimized a lot of the behavior that I felt like I was doing at that time and spending a lot of my time on. And I think in some sense, not that like I made a career of it or anything, but it was just a thing like I enjoyed getting to do. And so uh, seeing that it was on TV, it sort of almost like legitimized how I was spending my time. To like yeah. my parents are like, oh, you're going like digging a hole so you can go and like jump over some dirt. That's not how my parents <laughs> sound at all. 
but to protect their identities, I'm using that voice. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think they would like give me heat for it. But then I'm like, no, like this is just what I want to do with my time. Like this is how I want to spend my time in the summer. And so getting to see like on TV and like now a lot of those sports are becoming like actual Olympic sports. Like a lot of the yeah skateboarding summer for the 2020 Olympics, skateboarding is going to be the first time. Yeah, it's going to be involved. Yeah, so it's it's, it's kind about of, time, right? Yeah, but surfing. it's like a test out all the random sports in the X Games that become like legitimate yeah. world competing sports. I don't know. I think I think for me those were like one of those things that uh have always been really fascinating for me just to see like the they're underrated or like not Wheaties box kind of athletes, but like goodness are they like very talented people. So for well, sure. Even as somebody who was too terrified to attempt any type of trick on a skateboard, I still really loved watching the X Games. Yeah. Like, it was a fun thing to watch. I and it was in the summer too, right? So it was, you know, school wasn't getting in the way. You could just sit there mm-hmm. all day, watch ESPN. Oh yeah. And I loved the bike vert. That was like my favorite. Yeah. Dave Mira. Matt Hoffman back in the day. Yeah. Ryan Nyquist, all those guys. Seeing them do backflips and stuff. I just loved it. It was so much fun to watch. And yeah, there was a stretch of probably five years where it was like, yes, the X Games are here. Yep. Yeah, it was a a wild time. Which, I mean, it still has quite a following. It's not like it's like, uh, you know, vanished. But there's so many more outlets for that kind of stuff now with YouTube. And because, I mean, that was like the days when you were buying skateboard videos like yeah, VHS. That was like the only way to kind of watch yeah. skateboarding. Yeah. So like there was like televised air quote skateboard videos at that point, which is what the X Games were. Which yeah. was, it was awesome. So it's it's it was like wild. that was the, the pretty much the only time you would see like skateboarding commercials too. Yeah. Like, for like products. That's everything. true. That's really true. Or like Woodward Skate Camp. I feel like we I looked a lot about that. You were looking into that. Yes. But we never, had a Woodward skate skate park here, like uh, at the Mall of Jordan. No, it was. At one of the malls here, really? they built a, a skate park here, and it was awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, the Mills Mall, like this, the Orange Mills Mall in Southern California, has like, still has a van skate park. Mm. That was pretty cool. Anyways. That's awesome. All right, mine. My first one is like something that was very influential on me at both my art and my humor, and it was Gary Larson's The Far Side. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, good choice. When I was growing up. I love to draw, and when you draw as a kid, I feel like you automatically are like, I'm going to be a Disney animator. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that you do if you draw. And But the thing was, I didn't like drawing a lot. Like, I liked drawing on, like, like if you have to be a Disney animator, you have to draw the same thing over and over and over and over again. And I didn't like that, so, like, my next step was, like, oh, I'm going to do comic books. Mm-hmm. And even that is a lot of drawing, too. But the first time I saw The Far Side, I was like, that's something that I can do. Ah. It's, it's a single panel comic. Yeah. That I can focus all my energy on making one image great. And I feel like that's kind of what intrigued me about graphic design versus like doing animation or video is that you are focusing on w- pretty much one thing at a time and making that one thing great. So like The Far Side was just that. And it in- influenced me to like make my own character and do these like single panel comics that like I would do my own dumb jokes with. And, <laughs> I like it. Um, but yeah, like I loved the far side. My mom bought me like every year for probably like five years straight. She bought me one of those day to day calendars where you yeah. rip off like every day, like would be a different comic and I would have a bulletin board and I would pin up all my favorite ones that I would have throughout the year. That's cool. And like I said, she probably did that for like five years straight. I, I always like looked forward to having those, but 
Yeah. And I feel like for a while it was really popular to have far side shirts. Yeah. Like it was literally just a white shirt with oh, a far side funny, yeah. single panel comic on there. Like the I think the most famous one was the kid like pushing the door but it said yep. pool and it said Midvale School for the Gifted on the <laughs> sign and but yeah. I I love yeah. that and it was very influential on a lot of like what I do now. So Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that one panel. That's like the one that comes to mind when I think of the far side is yeah. that one, which is interesting. Yeah, it's super fun. I think like that, I feel like sort of paved the way for like Dilbert and some of those kind yeah. of like satire on normal life kind of w- short panel comics like that, which is interesting. And another thing that like kind of also influenced me later was like political cartoons like in the newspapers and mm-hmm. stuff. It mm-hmm. was kind of the same kind of approach where you're like drawing caricatures of like political people and it's just like a single panel of one joke. Yeah. But, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Okay, my next thing is, uh, it's kind of cheating, but the thing, something I'm really thankful for is not smartphones. Like, <laughs> just not having that when we were growing up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We like, not having ruined. to grow up in that era? Yes. Okay. I, and it, it kind of, it's kind of in tandem with social media, too. Like, it, it, they kind of go hand in hand. But number one, because the kind of garbage that I would put out there for the world to see and for it to be permanent. Like, I'm just so glad that didn't exist. But like the accessibility of smartphones, being able to fill any boredom, being able to fill any type of, of gap with, you know, a smartphone being to turn my brain off. Now, of course I just talked about my love for television. <laughs> so like there, there was that already. Yeah, you and, just you know, replaced and then it. there's video games, you know, from consoles and stuff, but there was still a limit to those. You had to turn them off and go with your parents out to eat. You know, uh, there, there was a way, there was an escape from those. Yeah. And it was like, you had to focus on one game at yeah. the time. It wasn't like, oh, I'm sick of this game. I did a one for let me one load level. Another let me app. Go to, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I think I think I don't know. I I, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I, it, I I do kind of look at Gen Z and below. I look at my nephews and just like how much of a struggle it is for them to give up video games, you know. And it's because they have their switches with them. They have their grandparents' iPhone that's given to them. They mm-hmm. have iPads. And it's just like there's so much entertainment available to them. I do worry, like what's you know what's life going to be for them and their peers you know, as they get older yeah. and, you know, there's studies done that there's, you know, less and less empathy going about going around as we get more and more into social media and getting more connected with each other, a lot more surface level things. My siblings have talked about how their kids are just different people when they start playing video games. Like when they are taken away from them, they become angry and they become, you know, and it's, huh. it's, and, and the theory is that it's different than when we had video games, like a game boy, because the games are so realistic and immersive now that psychologically it is like, it does have more of an impact on them than like uh, playing Tetris did for us, you know? And also they're a lot, they're a lot more long form. There's a longer goal. And if you don't achieve that goal and it's taken away from you, it becomes like a drug. You're like, I've got to get back and finish that level. Mm -hmm. Whereas with us, it was like, oh, you run out of lives and that's that. Mm -hmm. And it's like even the social aspect of it, like playing online gaming with like other people. It's like, I'm playing with my friends or whatever. So it's like, you're even more addicted to it because you're technically like with other people Mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah, it's like a social construct in a sense. Well, and then there's just the other things that come with smartphones. Like there's, right? There's like, there's cyberbullying. There's, um, you know, pictures being shared and and rumors getting spread. And there's just so much weight that comes on kids 
that live in this era right now Mm -hmm. that they don't they shouldn't have to handle at such a young age and uh i'm thankful that we didn't have that stuff honestly so we could grow up a little bit and of course i'm wondering if the generation ahead of us was worried about the tv and worried about the console gaming and all of that stuff so I do think humans have an ability to overcome this kind kind of thing, and I'm not super worried. But at the same time, you uh, it makes me thankful that it's like, man, I'm just I'm glad I had an escape. I'm glad there were there were breaks for these things, so I could learn what boredom is and and have that grow me as a person. I think I heard a study a while back of like how the generation that comes after this one is going to kind of rebel against like the yeah. whole social media thing and like kind of like want to live more authentically and live yeah. life and everything like they'll it'll kind of do like an opposite effect mm-hmm. i definitely think society's like a pendulum it's not like a downward yeah. spiral like m- most people think it is i do think that you know, we always go counterculture to what our parents and grandparents did. You know, right. like, oh man, they're too this way. We're going to go this direction. Yeah, yeah. And that, so I think it will swing back, but there is long lasting damage that happens there just over time. So anyway, don't want to get too deep and dark. <laughs> well, that, that's a whole other podcast. We can start but, up on that one. That's fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm thankful for the era we grew up in essentially and, and not having the technology. So can I go next? I can go off of what yeah, he's kind it. of saying yeah. loosely. Um, the other thing I'm, thankful for is a uh, punk compilation albums <laughs> awesome. um, okay I'll get there yeah um, <laughs> when I was growing up like when I got to probably like late 90s so it was probably like late middle school or early high school um, I started getting like realizing the type of music I was getting into but mm-hmm. I didn't know where else to get it because you know when we were growing up, there was only a couple of ways for you to like discover music, and that was what was on the radio uh-huh. and what was on MTV. And it was a risk to just take a chance on buying an album that you'd never heard of before. So, like, um, once I got into like things like Blink One Eighty Two, Green Day, Offspring, those mm-hmm. were the things that were given to me by MTV and and radio. Yeah. I was like, okay, so this is called punk. So, like, I'm gonna they don't play a lot of punk on the radio so I have to dig deeper and so the 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 record stores would sell these punk compilation albums um, that were only like a couple of bucks and there was a few lines of them that were like Punkorama which was released by Epitaph Records and that I discovered bands like Rancid, Bad Religion, Pennywise and mm. Mill and Colin and another one was like from Fat Records they had a thing called Fat Music and it was they had like lines that were like life in the fat lane, survival <laughs> for the fattest. And that's <laughs> fat records was started from the lead singer of uh, no effects. Huh. So they had like no effects on their lag wagon, the Atari strung out and things like that. And they also had uh, tooth and nail had a, a line of these as well. That's where I discover things like MXPX and Gaudi hook and slick shoes. <laughs> and so like, it's one of these things kind of like what you're saying, Corey is like, people don't have to hunt for things like that like yeah. we used to where it's like you could just go to Spotify if i like an artist i can just look at the list of r- related artists underneath it and just go listen to their top 5 songs and see if i like them and keep moving on in that direction but it's like when we were growing up we would have to spend our hard earned dollars on buying an, an entire album so you would spend 15 bucks on an album and you hope that it's good yeah. and so like these compilations were good about be like 
oh, I like this band. That's yeah. a cool song. I'm going to buy their album now, yeah. which is the whole purpose of the compilation. But like just buying the compilations themselves was like a good thing because it was like only a couple of bucks. So like I would buy tons of these. Huh. Um, so it really helped kind of widen my view of like what kind of music I liked and what I got into, which got me real into the punk scene, which was like great community to be in if you're like an outcast in high school. Sure. I feel like I would have had a totally different experience through high school had I not discovered these things but like just the act of like getting out there and discovering music on your own was just something that like I don't think people experience much now yeah, it's just like yeah it's true I don't know the the did you guys ever go to like a virgin mega store is that oh, yeah yeah you did I feel like I, there was one that was in uh, Arden Mall in Sacramento that we would go to all the time because they had like thousands of cds that were like in this big players that you could sample so if like if you actually wanted to hear some of those songs like full record Uh you had to buy it yeah but you could listen to like an entire record on one of those little samplers Mm. so we would go and hang out there i mean for hours just listening to music like not reading a magazine while listening to music or like checking my phone or flipping through instagram or like, like i would be sitting there in headphones listening to an album for 40 minutes as a high school kid and taking it in the way it was meant to be consumed well think like, of, yeah. all yeah. your focus on it and like really feeling the music right like think about I mean, this is a foreign concept and like kind of getting existential but like when's the last time you sat down to listen to music <laughs> yeah it's been forever. an entire album from front to yeah. back too. just to listen to it not yeah. to be like i'm gonna put this on while i read yeah, the book yeah. or do the dishes or whatever like the, i've been trying to get my brain to do that more often so it's so funny that you say that yeah. the closest i i think i've come to that is just driving <laughs> like driving right. a long yeah. distance and having an album on yeah and like somewhere along the way music changed from something that is like a cultural identifier to like something I really gravitate to to something like that fills my brain with space that whenever I have dead space I don't want to be want my brain to be bored so fill it with music like that's why there's Mm -hmm. music in Hallmark and elevators and TV shows like all there's like it's that bed of like we can't have silence (laughs) right like but like we've kind of like moved music to like okay don't let there be silence versus like so much music is written to just be enjoyed mm-hmm. for the sonic experience. Like, I think that's what's so funny, even in that category of like how uh, we went to see uh, Jurassic Park played by the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. What? Like, we can't <laughs> just go listen to that soundtrack. Listen, <laughs> yeah. to, we have to like watch TV and like, like friggin' drones so we can like enjoy the orchestra. <laughs> I mean, I went to it. I'm not, I'm not above it. They, they played the movie at the same they time. They played right? the movie yeah, yeah, at the yeah. same time we while the orchestra with, plays the score. We did that with Harry Potter. It was fantastic. It was beautiful. Yeah. Like, it was, it was great. Like, I actually caught myself not. It's awesome. I actually had to tell myself when I walked in, don't watch the movie. Yeah. Because you, mm-hmm. you're watching incredibly talented people who have like devoted their lives to this instrument mm-hmm. that they're playing before you. And you're like, Cool. I want to watch the dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's one of those things where it it made me frustrated that this is like what it took to get people there. Yeah. But I get it. Like we're adapting in some weird way. I don't know if it's for the best, but it's just fascinating to see it, the change. It's, it's something where you have to know the movie well enough where you don't have to watch it. And right. You can yeah. just sit and watch, and it, it, it still your eye drifts. It's like, oh, yeah. I like this part. Yep. And then you kind of forget there's an orchestra there. Yeah. But when you do pay attention to it, man, it's just so cool. Yeah. Such a cool experience. Yeah. I mean, I could go on about that, but yeah. I agree. That is a very like unique experience mm-hmm. of like having to go and f- uh, find the determination to curate your own music. Yeah, yeah. It's very, it's a very interesting skill. Well, mine is not as as glamorous as that. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean that's obviously one I can add to in a different way. You guys are gonna laugh at your best one, but 
Uh, did you guys at like your school growing up, I don't remember what age it was, probably older than I'm willing to admit, uh, have like the giant parachute at PE or recess <laughs> Oh, there? yes. Yeah. I love like, that thing. Absolutely. Okay. So I, I, what I loved about that is I don't know if you guys did the same thing, but like, it was like your whole class like gets around, you grab a handle, you put it up, whatever. Yeah. And sometimes they like put the beach ball on it so you can like launch yeah. the beach yeah. ball up really You're high like or whatever. Rippling or, it so rip it goes it. like in the middle. <laughs> yeah. So what we, we always had like one person that volunteered to go and like lay in the middle and they got like covered in it. Whatever. Yes. Yeah. I always was that person. <laughs> and what I realized, like it was not so much at the time, I probably didn't have the words around it, but I, what I realized is like, I love looking at the sun through all the colors of the parachute. Yeah, yeah. And I remember just like laying there and people were like, oh, we're burying you. And I was like, whatever. Cause I was like, just getting to, like lay. Yeah, I was like getting to lay there. <laughs> and I think in some crazy way, I was like glad to be that person because like, A, I got to just be the person that was singled out, which was fun mm-hmm. in a way that didn't require me to be the center of attention. I was just like, yeah. you were chosen. Now get into there so no one can see you, <laughs> which was great for me. And then I think just like it was, uh, it sort of forced me to be like, all right, you're going to get to be the one person that gets this perspective. Enjoy mm-hmm. it in some sense. And I think- you're in the a chosen one. Yeah, and like in a weird way, I think I really enjoyed like the unique experience of getting to that and I just loved getting to be getting to do something that nobody else was getting to do despite us all doing the same thing quote unquote mm-hmm. I thought that was like a it helped me to kind of like slow down and appreciate like the unique experiences of some of those kind of situations that I don't know it's, it's a really niche one but you can do to like recapture that moment now I think n- now where I get to that place is like technically no one ever has the perspective that I have. Like that's a little bit more like broader, but in a certain sense, like even where I'm sitting now, like no one else sees exactly what I'm seeing right now. And I think in in some way, like being able to remember that at all times is a versus is a good thing for my brain versus like we all watched the same television show. Mm-hmm. We all, you know, we all, we all saw the same thing in a certain sense, but like where I go, how my memories work or things like, like nobody sees things the way that I see things. And I think just getting to realize like, that's a very unique experience uh, that no one can rob from me. I'll, I rob it for myself if I just squander or don't pay attention to yeah. it. Yeah. Man, this episode's getting deep. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, allow me to ruin it by uh, <laughs> telling you my third thing. Um, I am thankful that was for. Call. Yes, <laughs> I am thankful for one of the greatest singer songwriters of this or any generation. Mm-hmm. Weird Jeff Al Yankovic. Yeah. Oh. Weird Al I was Yankovic. about to guess that. That's actually yeah. good. <laughs> That's a uh, good one. I love it. I I okay. So I almost said The Simpsons earlier because I, I mean I've talked about it on this podcast how mm-hmm. they are a comedic influence on my life, uh, just opening the world to comedy and and just a brand new way to me and. I experienced Weird Al for the first time when my brother bought his album once. It was Bad Hair Day. So mm-hmm. it was one with Amish Paradise. Yeah, that yep. was the first CD that I ever bought was yeah. Bad Hair Day. That was the first CD yeah. I ever had because my brother brought it once, yeah. got tired of it really quickly and gave it to <laughs> me. And I, I listened to that for years. Yeah. I loved that album. And just the it's again it's a com- it's something that's revealing uh, like a comedic world to me that i did not know existed before Pari- parodying these famous songs and in su- stupid silly ways but he did it in such a way that was so brilliant and still yeah. does it i mean the fact that he's still relevant says a lot about who he is and how good he is at it that he can 
make an album, step away for a few years, allow more songs to come in and yeah. styles to change and all that stuff, come back in when everybody's like, oh yeah, Weird Al. And it becomes a nostalgic thing every yeah, single time totally. he releases an album. And the the most recent one he had, I mean, has some great songs on it. Like yeah. he is so and good. And he constantly wins Grammys for yeah. best comedy album. It's crazy. That's and a wild. lot of times, he, nobody gives him credit for this, but he's an incredible musician. Yeah, a yeah, lot of times he really he, is. He's replicating songs, but he does them better. Yeah, in a, in yeah, a way. In some cases, it's like yeah. people kind of turn their nose up at him because he's making joke songs. But it's like it's still done well for what he's doing. For him to do that variety of types of music and genres, it's like incredible for him to do and to put his own kind of spin on it, like the whole polka thing and everything. Yeah, yeah. What's it's funny? I was looking up like there is a. a the first tape that I bought was a Weird Al tape. And I was looking, it's the self-titled Weird Al. This came out in 1983. Mm, so yeah. I, it was before, you know, I was born, but I, that was the first tape I bought. But <laughs> I, but similar to what you were saying about punk music, it, I learned about some of the songs that are on it as the parodies before I knew yeah. the original songs. So like even in some weird ways, like I would, uh, so like My Sharona <laughs> is My Bologna. Mm-hmm. And so like I know like the parody better than I know the actual song, which is such a funny thing. So I, you know, I, I ended up doing improv comedy in college and then on and off and I'm doing improv again now. And a big part of improv is at least short form is puns, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just, I feel like that's kind of in the same lane of what he does, mm. the way he rhymes in the same manner and comes up with, uh, I think he does a lot of puns in his songs when it comes up with the subject matter, you know, and, and has miniature jokes within each song. I, it's just he he was just so good at what he did. I really was able to observe how he did it and and really admire it. And you know, when you're a kid, it inspires you to write your own parody music too. And to this day, like I'll hear a song if it gets stuck in my head, I eventually go to parody it in my brain. <laughs> That's like, funny. It it just becomes an automatic of like how can I make. It's almost like I hate the song so much that it's in my head. I want to destroy it by <laughs> <laughs> making a parody of it in my head. So. Yeah, it works. Um, so yeah, Weird Al, man, just I, it'll be a sad day when he stops making music. Yeah, and it's uh, even things like you know UHF and like. Did you <laughs> yeah. ever watch like Al TV when they would do like an? Yeah, MTV I've seen like he, clips of it. Uh, and he just had incredible music videos too. Yeah. Like he would pour himself into those music videos. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's incredible. Great videos. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, and also just an all around good guy. Like, yeah, I was about to say he's an incredible great, great guy. He's yeah. so nice and a great role model for people. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he's actually. Uh, if you guys don't follow him, you should follow him on Instagram. Yeah. He's like a very. I'll do it right now. He's an interesting person to follow because you can tell he's just like an incredibly smart, creative person. Yeah. Like it, it just comes through in all the different things that he does. Uh, yeah, the, I think I follow him on Twitter, and he does like kind of geeky jokes about mm-hmm. things. Like, yeah, he's a he's a fun person to to watch. Like he replaced like the ten times or less. He put like ten times or fewer. Or fewer. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he like well, that was like a huge thing that he was trying to start in all the grocery stores. To where and I, I think now they have done it. Yeah. Yes, they've switched over now. <laughs> it's so, it's so brilliant. I guess that's why he wrote word crimes. The yeah, yep. off of blurred lines. That's yep. a really that's a really brilliant song. If you look up the lyrics, yeah, yeah. let's do it anyway. Wesser or Wesser Collin, which one do you? I mean, who wants to end it? Who wants to go next? Uh, I'll go. I'll go next. Okay. Uh, so this is a pretty like uh, this is a deep cut, but uh, <laughs> one the one of the first like uh, software, one of the first softwares that I got that I used that I pirated <laughs> <laughs> was an application called Fruity Loops. You guys ever heard of that? No. Uh, I don't think so. It basically was a software made by ImageLine software that they uh, you could make like little beats, 
like little beat loops, uh, not mm. food, like music. Yeah. Um, like you made little beats. And so like I would, it would basically like loop you through, like you could just set the timing signatures and that's like looping bars and you could do it to where you could record your own sounds if you wanted to, or you could like pull samples out of something that you recorded. This was like in 97, eight. And I remember trying to like record stuff off a of tape figure out how to get it to go into the mic input of our PC <laughs> to be able to like get it to like have a sample of a song and then like try to make my own stuff. And like, I wonder, there's gotta be a, like a random hard drive somewhere in a landfill that's full of all those random songs that I made. I want to find that. Um, but like things like that, that I feel like it was some of the first times that I was using a computer to make one of my ideas better than I could make it without a computer. Hmm and um, like all the little samples and things like, that's where I first like found out like beatbox sounds. I was like, oh, you can just make those sounds. I remember like getting a microphone mm-hmm. and being like, Puh. <laughs> and like just recording that and then like getting all that to where I would like make these little beats out of like my own beatbox sounds. That's so cool. And uh, remember like trying to remake uh, like the instrumentation for NSYNC songs and mm. some of that kind of stuff. Mm. And it's, it's just funny to think about like, I'm still essentially doing some form of that in every, job I've ever had of like using a computer to make me a little bit better at whatever I'm doing that is like some idea that I came up with whether that's design or whether that's been like sound engineering or whatever it's been mm-hmm. it's always been like hey you're okay at this thing and the computer makes you seem more refined at it than you actually are <laughs> and it's really like what it's been which is just interesting cool. so I think that was the first time that I'm like oh the computer if I learn how to like really tinker with all the little bits of it and get in there and uh, learn what it's doing it's really going to help me like get better at computer-aided production in some sense. It's interesting. That's good. It, That's it was good. definitely one of those ones where like figuring out how to make it not crash because you would get too many samples loaded at the same time so it would crash out. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think there's a, there was like an equivalent for me, but it wasn't until like early 2000s when iMovie became like, you know, accessible and mm-hmm. you know, doing video things with a computer. That was huge for me. So. Yeah. I remember yeah. getting the login serial for it off of some sketchy website that being like, yeah, here's like a bunch of serials posted up here. And it was like, so I could get the, I could register it. Cause I was like in seventh or eighth grade. I didn't know, I, was, I didn't have any money. Yeah. I remember trying to push the rails off of like MS paint and like <laughs> doing every, making textures out of like the spray paint uh, yeah. brush and things like that, where I'm just like, yeah, I'm distressing things. And then I'm like, I'm gonna download Photoshop and pirate that. And <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, it was a kid in candy store with that kind of stuff. Oh, but so it's true. like, I'm so glad that I did because that's what I'm doing now. Right, like you kind of had to have those those times to just experiment and and just spend the time like figuring like what do these buttons do? Like yeah. what does this thing do? There was no pressure on yeah. it. Yeah, it's just making it for fun. Yeah. Okay, my last one is it's kind of general, but like just Conan O'Brien. Oh, yes. I feel like, you know, mine was like things that influenced me with art and music, and this was definitely humor. I feel like Conan O'Brien really kind of shaped the way that I saw humor in myself because Conan O'Brien is very Mm self-deprecating, and he was the first example of that that I saw because, like, you know, I feel like I'm hard on myself, and I feel like to have someone – that seems so well put together and is talking with celebrities, but still making fun of himself mm-hmm. instead yep. of trying to build himself up. Yeah. It was massively influential on my humor style and just sarcasm and self-deprecated humor. And it was just one of those things that like every summer for some, my parents were really strict about when I went to bed and everything. So like 
but once summer hit, they did not care when I went to bed or when I got up. Mm-hmm. So like I would watch uh, late night with Conan O'Brien like every weekday. Um, and it was just the highlight of my day is just watching him. And like, he still just cracks me up. I know he, he's kind of a love or hate kind of person. My mom hates him. And hmm. I feel like a lot of people aren't really into NBC him, hates him. Yeah, yeah totally. Yes. Jay Leno hates him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, that's the whole situation made me so sad for yeah. him. But yeah. like I am I've always been such a supporter of him and he's always everything he's done I've just loved and he's such a good guy and um yeah. He is the master of self deprecating humor. Yeah. Like he's just so good. And he, he walks that line of of like, you know, being really funny and very, you know, uh, very talented, but he never, ever, ever comes across as arrogant or like not humble because yeah. he's so good at bringing himself down yeah, it's and like making fun of himself. When he walks mm-hmm. out to do his mo- monologue, like people cheer too much and he like <laughs> cuts like, himself down like, hey, yeah, like, <laughs> stop it. You're, you're going to be massively disappointed. Yes. And thing. So it's <laughs> like since I was so hard on myself, just like turning that into humor was like huge for me yeah um, uh, do you listen to his podcast i don't but i've been meaning uh, to i've so heard it's really good i've like, heard everybody right now it. stop listening to this podcast and go <laughs> <laughs> subscribe actually no you don't have to stop listening just We're go subscribe done. it's, it's fine. conan o'brien needs a friend it is so it is my favorite uh, podcast okay. out there right now besides ours of course <laughs> sure yeah because yeah. yeah, he's just it's it's conan unfiltered and there's no there's no parameters around him. He just gets no to have converse, long-term ceiling. conversations with people and the producer and his assistant that he has with him, they banter back and forth and just make fun of each other. It is so funny. Hmm. Uh, it, I recommend it to all who love Conan O'Brien. Mm-hmm. And it's like right now he's kind of trying to reinvent how like late night TV works and yes, everything yeah. where he really cut, cut his show down to like 30 minutes. He mm-hmm. has one guest and like, you know, he doesn't do as many like gimmicky things the most like he used to do and like other late night shows do. Um, and he, I think he's splitting that with the podcast and everything mm-hmm. to kind of really kind of spread his wings of like very the smart. avenues in which people kind of ingest content and everything so it's really smart it seems like he's really trying to kind of shake things up a bit other than just having your garden variety hour-long tv late night show so Mm -hmm. i love the way that he thinks yeah um also the characters he's had on his show like triumph the insult comic dog obviously is probably the most famous one just Mm -hmm. so funny the interrupter (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then there's the well no i won't say that one there's a few inappropriate ones. Sure. Quite uh, a few. A, a Minty, the candy cane who briefly fell on the ground is one of my <laughs> favorite ones. I always love when he did when he did the Arnold that. Schwarzenegger thing oh, where the yeah. lips are talking. Yeah. Go all the way. So what are you thankful for? Uh, let us know on social media at Pass Forward Cast, Instagram, Twitter, one Facebook. We're not really very active on Facebook, but who is this th- these days besides our parents, right? Yeah. So uh, us up on Twitter and Instagram. We'd love to hear what you guys think. Passforwardcast at AOL.com is our email address if you want to do it in a much longer format. Yep. Um, we love hearing from you guys. Thanks for joining us. That's it for us. So until next time. I got a boogie. <laughs> Take care. Bye bye. Later, Snorks. Pass Forward was recorded in front of a live studio audience at Nickelodeon Studios at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. Not.
Hey, Clavis! Wake up! The show's over. Oh, yeah! Kick it!